Let's accept the fact that we all want to feel secure in some way, whether it's secure in our jobs, our relationships, or our personal safety and well-being. We want the best for our families, our business endeavors, or as in healthcare for the other people for whom we have some degree of responsibility. But how do you place a value on the effort we make to create a secure environment? I had the opportunity to discuss the financial implications of security with Fred Cox, Director of Information Security at Varian Medical Systems. Fred and I discussed a wide range of topics, including direct and indirect costs of security, the idea of table stakes and behavior analytics, and we also touched on the question of at which point the concept of security's ROI can be effectively considered. My interview with Fred begins in just a moment. Intrusion detected. Code red. What's the best place to learn about leading cybersecurity products and services? The HIMSS Cybersecurity Command Center is just the place to do that and more. Check out the latest offerings from dozens of vendors, attend educational sessions, and participate in interactive cybersecurity activities. Learn about the latest technologies and techniques from both private sector and government experts that can help manage and defend your organization's most valuable assets. If you're attending the HIMSS 17 conference in Orlando this February, and we hope you do, be sure to reserve plenty of time to check out this special exhibit. The Cybersecurity Command Center is located in Hall A at booth 376. I hope you can join us to discuss the fascinating topics, meet HIMSS staff, and a variety of experts working in the field. The HIMSS 17 conference takes place in Orlando, Florida, February 19th through the 23rd. Check out hymnsconference.org for more information and to register. This is Kevin Johnson, the CEO of Secure Ideas, and you're listening to Code Red. I'm here with Fred Cox, Director of Information Security for Varian Medical Systems. Fred designs information security architecture and HIPAA and high-tech compliance programs. And he's worked in a variety of industries. He's got over 30 years' experience in securing information. Fred also serves on the HIMSS Risk Assessment Work Group. Fred, thank you for joining us today. Hi, Rod. Thank you very much for having me. I appreciate being here. So what we want to get at uh, in this episode is a look at the cost of engaging in and creating a secure environment. And how, how should CEOs and CFOs conceptualize the, the true costs of cybersecurity for their organizations? Is there a, a good analogy that works to, to describe it to them? Really good question. Really good question. And I just want to uh, quickly add here right at the beginning that my uh, – uh, attorney people at, at Varian want me to state for the record that these are my thoughts, not necessarily representative of Varian Medical Systems. But that said, um, conceptualizing true costs of cybersecurity, um, very interesting question because there are the mechanical, what I call the mechanical costs, that is the actual purchase of the software, the hiring of the people, and oversight and so on for your organization to manage your cybersecurity risks. And then there are the, uh, when a breach is realized or there's denial of service of one form or another, ransomware, what have you, uh, the cost to the organization, both direct and indirect, inability to deliver services, revenue lost is associated with that, reputational losses, and so on. They are uh, 
they can mount up very, very quickly. So in terms of, I think that it's helpful to, to, for the, for the executives to recognize certain events are, uh, uh, are just, uh, not thinkable. They're, the occurrence of them is just, um, unthinkable to the organization. And for instance, if we would look at sort of cybersecurity risks, there's, uh, there's what I call table stake risks or level one risks and then there's level two risks. So, um, when we're talking about costs for cybersecurity, I, I want to say to management, okay, you have sort of the table stakes. You simply cannot operate in today's internet environment without table stakes. Uh, and, and by table stakes, I mean you're going to have a security design that uh, expects controls to fail, is a layered design, is tested, is stress tested, and so on. You're going to have uh, uh, functional firewalls that restrict traffic uh, to authorized activities and personnel. You're going to have active control lists that list the Internet addresses of your counterparties that you do business with. You're going to have intrusion detection and intrusion prevention excuse me, systems. You're going to have antivirus, uh, typically signature-based, and we'll talk a little bit more about signature-based versus heuristics. Uh, patch management programs, you're going to train your employees. You're going to have offline current backups of your data, and you're going to have strong authentication controls. And while that's a mouthful, those are truly the table stakes. And I, as far as an analogy, uh, the, to me, table stakes are like electricity. You have to have electricity to be in business these days. You can't do it without electricity. So you have, you'll take measures to manage that risk. You'll have generators. You'll have uninterruptible power supplies. You'll do whatever you need to do to make sure you have electricity so that should power go out, you can uh, reach a successful and soft uh, closure on the things you're doing. Uh, or you can, with a generator, you can continue on without um, electricity from the line, as they say. But you don't, Management doesn't run around and think, well, what's my cost of electricity in terms of ROI? Um, and, and similarly, table stakes are, in my view, not something to be subject to ROI. It's, uh, these are literally something you just must do. And, uh, as, as a friend of mine, uh, showed dramatically the other day, we took a, a laptop without any, uh, antivirus on it at all. And uh, no firewall, just a, just an a- actual platform, and connected it to the internet, and started uh, trying to do our normal work, access our email, and do our normal job. Um, the machine was up for about 25, 30 minutes before it was absolutely locked up by malware, and uh, and we lost, you know, we couldn't we couldn't use it anymore. So the it's just like electricity; everything's going to change and just come to a stop if you don't have electricity. Similarly with uh, with the table stakes, you got to have those. And then the, the level two that I indicated are sort of more mature um, methods to, to manage your risks. And these are, these are typically where an ROI can come into, uh, into, into play in the decision-making process. When, uh, and by more mature, uh, I mean things like application whitelisting and uh, uh, behavior analytics, uh, security information, uh, event management, Tools and so on. These are these are secondary tools that are more mature. That once you get the table stakes done, you you're still not comfortable, for instance, with the amount of residual risk that you face, and you seek to to mitigate more risk. So you you pull on more countermeasures, and uh, typically those are 
those are the more mature methods. And are those something that you can then do more of an ROI calculation on because it's more of an additional focused um, initiative as opposed to what you're describing as table stakes, which I liked your uh, analogy of electricity. You know, we think about that as it's a utility. Someone else is responsible to deliver it and to maintain uh, the quality of, of that product. But you don't normally think of within an organization having to uh, be aware of how to make electricity happen within your organization (laughs) right so absolutely yeah so but with cyber um that responsibility and that effort uh takes place much more intimately within an organization we're much more responsible and we see it on a day-to-day basis absolutely excellent point i like the the notion you've introduced here is time instantly because that's a dimension somewhat overlooked. Uh, took me a long time to, to see it and start paying attention to it. Um, yes, there's, there are certainly ROI aspects, in, and we'll talk a little bit about that in a moment. Um, but there's also the timing of our controls. That is, when we build these layered security models and we're expecting controls to fail and we're expecting them to compensate when one control fails, another one compensates and continues to provide protection, Uh, we also need to sort of look at, okay, is this particular control ahead of uh, the event or uh, the breach uh, or is it behind um, the event or breach? And, for instance, that can come into play to make sure you're you're looking at apples and uh, as opposed to apples and oranges because for instance um, the the for a long time the the solution for uh, finding the needle in a haystack of disingenuous behavior on a network was the the sim solution and and tools like Splunk were out there and that meant you had to um, in an expensive way you had to do a bunch of interface work between all of your your scouts, if you will, your firewalls, your intrusion detection, your antivirus, all had to report their log activity to the SIM. And then the security staff would pour over and hypothesize on what would be events that would be reflective of disingenuous behavior. And they would basically write if statements and they would parse logs and that was the security information event management system. They would go through and look at all the, the data and say, aha, it looks like this one, uh, this might be a risky, might be a risky behavior. The problem with that is it's always after the fact. They're looking at logs that are describing activity. Um, and it's a relatively expensive approach. That is, you've got to have the SIM software itself. You've got to do all the interfacing work and the care and feeding of the interfaces so when your antivirus, for instance, upgrades itself uh, to a different version, typically that'll disrupt uh, an API and it'll cost you money. Um, a, a different approach that's been gaining traction uh, in the last few years is behavior analytics, which looks at activity real-time in a real-time fashion on your network. And rather than having a staff of very expensive uh, security people in a security operations center pouring over log data, you use behavior analytics, takes the um, the active directory roles that you are to find on your network, and uh, the business intelligence engine creates a normal workflow. So if you have a, uh, a normal workflow for every active directory user ID, uh, and it constantly compares, okay, the current activity to the norm. 
so in in 90 days and in 6 months and in 18 months the the description of what is normal activity for a particular person or role becomes very very keen very accurate so you you when you discover atypical behavior for that user id uh, it can mean a couple of things. It can mean, well, maybe they've got a new job or new task, a special project. Uh, it can mean maybe it's not them. Maybe their authentication controls failed, and it's truly not Susan. We believe it to be, uh, but she's doing something that she's never done in the last six years working here. Very odd behavior. Um, and and you can not only notice the needle in a haystack, which is extremely valuable, but you don't have to um, spend the money to come up with a hypothesized thing. So um, it, 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 it can be a very cost-effective, uh, very handsome return on investment, as well as uh, the, the element of time is better addressed. That is, in behavior analytics, you're starting to approach uh, predictive. That is, the software will also say, look at Susan's activity over time, and if she's constant, if, if policy is you're not allowed to go to Facebook and social media and so on at work, and she's constantly hitting their Facebook accounts and so on, uh, the behavior analytics is going to notice that and going to add to her risk score. And and I, as a security guy, I'm going to look at a, a, a chart of behavior, of risky behavior, and who is consistently uh, practicing risky behavior. Those are the people that are more likely to be involved in data breaches or denial of service or click on the wrong link because they don't pay attention to the phishing email education we try and give them and say don't click on links in your email that you don't know and so on and so forth. So we have a better idea from a predictive standpoint. We're ahead of the breach. We're ahead of the curve on that one. And and that's really where you want to be. It turns out that uh, the business analytics from an ROI standpoint is a far more uh, cost-effective because instead of having five or six guys at over $100,000 or gals uh, <laughs> in the security operations center, you have uh, you have one or two, if, if that. And when the behavior analytics discovers something that is totally out of bounds, for instance, a, a user who has never exported data ever in their life is now trying to transport a few gig of sensitive data off your network, uh, you can these configurable policies for those events. You can actually stop that event in real time. Now we're getting somewhere in terms of risk management. So those are the sort of level two, if you will, or uh, uh, once you have the table stakes and 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 have some kind of a platform that's been hardened by those table stakes, then you can entertain the uh, other more uh, mature methods. Is that? Makes sense. Yeah, it does absolutely. And and you you know we mentioned a couple of times that you know, we're going to get a little bit more deeply into the whole return on investment thing. And in the time we have left, I was wondering if if there's some particular language that CIOs and CISOs um, that you've seen that works when talking to uh, executives at the CE, you know, the CEOs or even the board? Is there a certain type of approach that really gets their attention um, so that this doesn't just sound like something kind of coming out of the geek department, that it's really important, and, and how do you attach the things that they understand, which is dollars, um, to this, this, um, this investment that must be made? Yeah, very, very, another excellent question. I think the, it, it starts 
in my world, I have found that with the risk assessment in the Frankly, the objective of all risk assessments is really to determine the residual risk values. Um, is the probability of occurrence high, medium, or low for a particular threat? Um, and one sort of probability estimate, even though it's coarse in terms of high, medium, and low, you can agree to put a number to it if you want to quantify it. Um, and then you can, you can determine the expected value. And and now the the ears in the boardroom typically start picking up because when you start talking about a risk being realized and that could cost you five hundred thousand dollars if this risk is realized, and you have a probability of point uh, five of it occurring, you can come up with an expected value. That is the probability of occurrence times the dollar value if the adverse event is realized. Now you have a quantifiable number that you can start to go down your risk of residual risks and say, okay, here's the expected value to the firm uh, of this this risk being realized. And and now now we can have a conversation that makes sense of um, the, the the techniques we've talked about in terms of behavior analytics and so on, how much do they cost relative to the expected value of the situation they're mitigating. Now we're really in a conversation where we can uh, grapple with return on investment and make some very, very um, uh, accurate choices. So how would you address, um, uh, let's say you have a really risk-averse organization and uh, they want as little risk as possible, ideally zero risk. And, you know, how do you address the fact that zero risk is almost impossible to achieve uh, in this? And, and, and what's the comfort zone and, and how do we talk about that balance in this space? I think the, the balance is, is a product of true understanding. It is my job to communicate to the board or executive management, I believe, <clears throat> what are the risks and how do we mitigate those risks in a way that they understand. Um, and that means talking in English, not geek speak. Right. So, I, I frankly, I will typically put up a matrix and I will go through um, the layers, the different layers, and explain the model to them and for instance explain the table stakes why the table stakes are important and um, so they understand things like okay the firewall's purpose is to essentially restrict uh, ideally restrict traffic to authorized people and activities only that's the ideal um, and it's 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 going to be achieved so long as the rules defined to that firewall software of which ones to permit, what is the definition of authorized activity, and who are authorized personnel, um, are in fact the right rules. Well, one of the historical ways, for instance, to test that was annually do a, a vulnerability test. Well, that given that that uh, a firewall is pinged about a million times every 24 hours, uh, as the fraudsters look for what what is what kind of a firewall is it is it configured properly is there any way in and so on um, to test it once a year is not a robust control so there are software tools like AlgioSec out there that 
monitor your telecom perimeter. This is what I talk to the board about, to give them a true understanding of, look, your firewall is there, and you're going to manage the risk of the firewall by deploying this tool that if your network administrator, in all good faith, makes a rule change because of a, a necessary business uh, activity, and unbeknownst to him, there's a subtle interaction effect with an existing rule that opens up a vulnerability, you're going to have this AlgoSec tool discover that in real time. You're not going to wait for an entire year's tests uh, or a year to go by until you have someone come in and test it and say, oh, gosh, there's a, there was a small, subtle uh, interaction here that opened up this vulnerability. So you, you start down the list of being very specific um, and show them, for instance, why behavior analytics is so valuable in terms of recognizing activity against the norm um, and that it's ahead of the control and so on so that they truly develop an understanding of the risk itself and how it occurs and how how we're managing uh, those risks at multiple layers. For instance, the target and the anthem breaches were both victims of single-factor authentication failures. That is, someone got a hold of the user ID and password for target and or anthem and was able to use user ID and password, and that's all they checked for. They didn't have a two-factor like a cell phone or some other factor in the loop that had to be confirmed that they were who they said they were. And then uh, all sorts of cataclysmic events unfolded. Partially, that's a design problem because they were they were at a single um, a single control layer failed. The authentication failed, and the entire model collapsed. So that's where you want to have these conversations about layer design works. You just have to choose the right controls for each layer. Well, I have one question for you um, before we end, and the time, again, has gone really fast, and and thank you for this. Is is there any one area of cybersecurity that our listeners really need to pay more attention to? The board and the people with the budgets um, truly need to understand their information security model uh, and the risks they take, uh, that's where more time uh, needs to be to be done. I've seen firms where uh, the board will will say, yes, we're information security, we're very concerned, we're, we're really on this, and so on. And it's the last agenda item at a board meeting. And frankly, sometimes they run out of time and they say, well, we have five more minutes, so let's let's use that to address it rather than to put it as a priority. Where the 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 board needs to ask those tough questions to management. For instance, where is my data, and how do I how do I know when the data locations change if they do, and it's being stored in a place that that uh, it's not supposed to be? How would I how would I know that? How would how would management's model discover that? And and who is accessing our sensitive data? Um, who has the access rights to it to see it to modify it and so on? And how do I know that they are who they say they are? How would how would we know if a um, uh, a someone from the uh, the Ukraine gets a hold of a user ID and password and starts doing things? How would I know that? How would how would I know that I've got an authentication failure? Um, these are the discussions that need to be had, and they don't particularly take a lot of time. Uh, not in the overall scheme of things, in terms of to spend for me to spend uh, half an hour. Uh, going through a risk control model with the board is time well spent because they, they truly understand then where the money's going and where the risks are that they're continuing to take as well as the risks that they feel comfortable about they've mitigated and, uh, and, and the likelihood is acceptably low. 
so that's uh, that's what I would have to say is spend more time on communicating that security model. Fred Cox is Director of Information Security for Varian Medical Systems. Fred, thank you so much for joining us again. It's a pleasure. Rod, thank you so much. I very much appreciate the opportunity. We'd like to thank our guest for this episode of Code Red, Fred Cox, Director of Information Security at Varian Medical Systems. Return on investment around security is a complex topic, and I hope our conversation offered a few new ideas you can apply to your role. The Code Red podcast is a production of Hymns North America and is co-produced by Adam Baser. Rhonda Frazier is our story editor and guest relations manager. Code Red is available on both the hymns.org website and iTunes. If you have any suggestions for topics or guests you'd like us to interview, you can write to us at coderad at hymns.org. I'm Rod Pihowski. See you next time on Code Red. Intrusion detected. Code Red.